she's a single mom and uh, one of the words that she used in her post was empowered. Uh, mm. how the product or service made her feel empowered. Uh, and to me, that, that's really exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody studies disruption. It's really exciting because right. words like empowered lead me to believe that we've hit a new market. All right. We're live. Nous sommes retournés um, sur le Cold Star Project, the podcast about the unexpected challenges of scaling. And I'm here with Attila Dobe, Manager of Strategy and Innovation for Avis. And it's been a while. You have been extremely busy. So thank you for making time on this Saturday. Ah, Jason, you know, I've been looking forward to it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you have been up to a whole bunch of things and you've been sick in the middle of it. And so there's much to discuss. Uh, I guess let's Let's begin, and, and for those listening, why I have Attila on is he is actually doing the thing, <laughs> okay? He works for a big business that he runs his own consulting company, and he is out there creating disruption and scaling businesses in a way that you need to hear about, and so that's why I have him on, because he is having experiences, the likes of which even I am not having, right? I, I have not taken a Harvard online business course lately, right? <laughs> and uh, so let's begin with that. You took a, a Harvard Business School online course. Tell us about what that was like, what you learned, and then what happened after. Yeah, sure. The course was Disruptive Strategy with uh, Clay Christensen. Um, and that, that course uh, really centered around, I mean, like it says, disruptive strategy. But when we think about what disruptive strategy really is, uh, at least how Professor Clayton Christensen uh, defines it, um, disruptive strategy really has three parts. You've got sustaining innovation, you've got new market innovation, and you've got uh, low-end innovation. Um, sustaining innovation really encompasses a lot of things that, uh, you know, in the past I've called Lean Six Sigma, uh, the Toyota Way, TQM, uh, falls under a lot of different names, but it's all about making things more efficient or effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the low end or, or new market innovation is what we would consider more traditional disruption. Uh, you know, it's creating Uber, it's creating... Uh, uh, you know, Lyft, it's, it's, it's creating Amazon. Um, it, it's all about uh, the areas that we traditionally consider disruption. Uh, and it was a, a phenomenal class. I mean, obviously it goes into a whole lot more depth than that, but uh, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, their learning platform was uh, uh, the best I've ever experienced. Um, so great learning platform. And one of the things that I think they are absolutely knocking it out of the park with is their ability to build a network. Hmm. Um, like when I think of traditional education, mm-hmm. uh, traditional on, on-campus education, um, I think the, the number one value coming out of it, no matter where you go to school, is the network that you build. It's the relationships that you build while you're there. Um, and most online platforms fall a little flat there. Um, you know, they're not they good say. at building... <laughs> They're just not good at building a network. They're not good at at helping foster relationships and forcing those relationships to form. Um, Harvard is dialed in on that. Hmm. Um, And one of the things that they do is if you take an online course with them, uh, you'll end up getting invited to an event called Connext, which which I went to um, in in Cambridge. it was a great event. I mean, it just brought together people from all of their online coursework um, together uh, on campus at, at the Harvard Business School. Um, and you got to, uh, you know, interact with fellow students, 
uh, formed those relationships. You got to interact with professors. Um, they took us through, uh, they broke us out into like breakout sessions, but those breakout sessions were literally case studies uh, led by a Harvard professor, which is, you know, kind of their standard uh, business school teaching methodology. Okay. So that, yeah, that is super exciting because I know having helped my wife take online classes, um, that the majority of them are extremely dull affairs where you feel kind of isolated and uh, there's not much going on. So, and, and that's great for Harvard because they've got this historic physical site that you can go to, right? And, right. and, and connect that. So that helps you feel special. And then you've got the group. And, and uh, I'm kind of amused, though, that they had you do more work with case studies when you got there. <laughs> you know, it, I, I think if, if you're the type of if you're the type of person that wants to take a Harvard course, mm. um, you're probably really jazzed about doing a case study because mm -hmm. I mean that's even in their online platform that is the teaching method is the is the case study method. Right. Um, they translate that I, I I think fairly well to an online environment. I mean, you're never going to get the uh, you know personal uh, one on one like you would from a in class case study. Um, you're not necessarily going to feel that fear that you're going to get called on uh, in an online environment, but they, they do pretty well with that. Um, and experiencing it uh, actually on campus um, really drives home, you know, the, the reality of it, I think. Um, okay. so, yeah. You know, I think if you're, if you're a, a geeky kind of nerd, like I am, um, that was one of the reasons I, you know, paid for a flight and hotel to go yeah. out there because <laughs> <laughs> nice. I would get to do a case study. Nice. Yeah. If you want to learn, you want to learn. Uh, how did you end up taking that course? I can remember way back when you announced, uh, uh, you know, through social media that you, you had been accepted into taking that class, uh, uh, going, oh, there must have been some kind of application process. It wasn't just show up and pay the money. I mean, how did you find <laughs> out about it and decide and then get accepted into it? Um, you know, they, they've peppered me on social media with ads uh, for different classes for quite a while. And, you know, one of the things that I struggled with was, you know, would I be accepted, you know, that whole uh, kind of imposter syndrome. Um, you know, my undergrad was from an online school. Um, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't an Ivy League. It wasn't even a, you know, like a state Ivy, like a Michigan or, or one of those. Um, you know, it was a more traditional kind of online school, concentrated primarily on an online platform. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that prevented me from applying uh, for as long as I did was imposter syndrome. Was, hmm. you know, it, did I belong there? Um, Fascinating. So, it, folks it, listening, if Attila here is feeling that, you're feeling that, don't feel too bad about it, right? And, get, and, and hopefully get past it and, and take the risk, right? And, and ask right. Because uh, things are not quite as you perceive them to be. <laughs> you know, it, 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 I would say, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to apply. I mean, the worst they could do is tell you no. And right. then, you know, you got some stuff you need to work on. Right. And, and, and you know, I've got this in my own life as well with the space sure. industry, right? Where I'm I mean, I, just they, starting to get over that now. Yeah, I, I think we all do. I mean, uh, you know, I think that's something important for uh, your listeners, uh, you know, whether they're your followers, my followers, uh, I don't think it matters. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think everybody struggles with this. I don't think there's anybody that gets up on a stage and doesn't feel fear. Um, I don't think there's anybody that applies for Harvard that doesn't feel the fear of rejection. You know, mm -hmm. salespeople um, certainly have to feel that. 
Yeah. Um, I know in, in the military, they teach us, uh, you know, how to respond to fear, not to ignore fear, but to respond to it. And that that's, you know, the traditional military definition of bravery is understanding the fear and going anyhow. Right. And you were a Marine, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did eight years in the Marine Corps. Yeah. <laughs> very very cool all right uh let's move on to you you did a lot of traveling i mean i tried to scoop you up to to have you do this talk in between in the months <laughs> in between and it was like nope he's going out of town again and so you had a couple of events you you went to one in vegas and then another one with uh, kind of a funny acronym before that let's tell us a little uh, bit about those yeah yeah a couple of speaking engagements uh that i thought went uh well let's let's call it a mixed bag and i'll get into why um, you know, the, the event down in, in Orlando was with an event called BTOES, which stands for uh, Business Transformation and Operational Excellence Summit, um, which really keys on, you know, one of the things that I think we struggle with in our industry is how do we, how do we define it in simple terms? Because what we do is we attack very complicated problems. And unfortunately, attacking complicated problems involves some complicated thought. Um, and there, you know, boiling that down into um, simple terms, I think, is difficult. So hence the, you know, kind of goofy acronym, BTOES, and what that means. Um, but it, it, it was a really good event. Um, I definitely enjoyed going to it. Uh, I got to do uh, an interview, a uh, recorded interview. Um, that, went, that went super well. Um, I'll, I'll tag the interviewee, uh, comments on here, but, uh, yeah, he did really well. Um, definitely great to work with, uh, round tables. Um, I really enjoy doing round tables. Uh, I almost think of them as mini masterminds. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's how I try to lead a round panel where I'll get a question, I'll respond, I'll ask a question back, um, which will generate another response and a question back. Um, I think when roundtables operate that way, they, they go really well. Hmm. Um, ours went over um, by about 30 minutes um, on an hour-long roundtable. Uh, it, it wasn't because I was trying to keep people there. They just didn't want to leave, right. um, which is always a good sign. Hmm. Um, I would say that the, the mixed bag part comes from when I uh, attempted to speak uh, publicly at that event. I was running a fever of uh, 102, 103 um, in literally Jason, I, I couldn't see my speaker's notes. Like my <laughs> eyes just were not working. Um, you know, it was just pouring sweat, hot, miserable. Um, and, and you know, my, my speaking went, uh, that one about how you would assume, um, probably not my best performance <laughs> ever. And, you know, lesson learned for me, if I'm running a fever, I probably need to call it and say, you know, let, let's, uh, let's not do this today. Mm. Um, the event in Las Vegas, uh, was, was equally wonderful. Um, it was, uh, AICPA, which is, um, uh, an accounting group. Um, so these were attendees were primarily finance or accounting professionals. Um, got to go there, sit on a panel. Um, there was a, a, a director from LinkedIn on the panel. There was, uh, uh, a vice president from a company called Sweet Greens uh, on the same panel, uh, a brilliant consultant out of Chicago. Uh, so it was leading the panel. Um, and we talked about digital transformation um, and started by defining digital transformation, which I think, you know, definitions, uh, you know, I've, you and I have both harped on this before, but definitions are, you know, core to improvement. Yeah. Um, 
so we went through that, I uh, presented, uh, talked for an hour 15 on continuous business transformation uh, and the do its method. Um, so covered that in really good detail. Um, really enjoyed my opportunity there. Uh, what, one of the things that I <laughs> that actually made me really happy. This is this is going to sound wild, Jason, but uh, you know, you, you get there about ten minutes early, and you're getting mic'd up, um, making sure your slides are in order, going through the finishing, you know, polishing up, making sure everything's going to go right. And of course, some of these people are just there because they they want to learn, they want to earn their CEUs. They're there to keep their certification mm -hmm. updated. Um, you're speaking right after lunch. Uh, end of the week. Uh, so this, this gentleman walked in and, uh, you know, he kind of sat in the back of the room and he folded his arms and sat down and, uh, you know, it, it, immediately his head started nodding. Mm -hmm. You could tell he wasn't, he wasn't going to make it. About five minutes into my presentation, he was, he was out. I mean, head down on the desk out. Um, shortly thereafter though, and this is what got me really excited. Shortly after he, uh, he woke up. I don't know if I said something too loud and woke him up or, or, or what, but he, he, he sat up and he kind of looked at what we were talking about, started following along, and then he got really engaged and he started taking notes. Hmm. And I was like, wow, you know, it, it, maybe, maybe I really am helping people. I mean, if I could take him from, I don't want to be here. I checked in to get my CEO, CEUs, but I'm not going to pay attention to you. If I could take him from there to, okay, well, let's take some notes and let's take some stuff back with me. Um, and then I feel like it, you know, I feel like I did my job as a speaker. Um, right. Awesome. Awesome. And for those wanting more information on that, do its method. We, our first, uh, episode was about that. So you can go back and look through the, the, um, cold star project episodes and find that one. Yep. Uh, and we have covered it. And, and I think you have a, a downloadable thing on your site. Um, I, I, I have one on my LinkedIn profile, so okay. you can download the entire presentation from AICPA. Um, the, the last portion of that is really going to go through, you know, the, the continuous business transfer transformation roadmap as a whole. So it's going to go through all of the parts of it. And it, it does a, I would say a high level of the do its method, which is of course part of that roadmap. Right. And this is, this is process improvement methodology. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I define it more as, um, you know, the disruptive strategy mm -hmm. uh, as far as the continuous business transformation roadmap. Um, continuous improvement definitely falls into do-its, but you mm -hmm. could do it's for innovation of, of any of the three types that we talked about, whether it's sustaining innovation, uh, so more like con uh, traditional continuous improvement, um, or uh, low-end or new market innovation. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Uh, now, in our last episode, we talked about uh, disruptive innovation that you have spearheaded over the last year or so, which is the rental of Avis trucks, um, which are supplied now in Walmart parking lots, right? Um, yeah. And it, it's slowly rolling out, right? There was a, there was an initial thing in Florida, uh, and and that's kind of how far we'd gotten the last time we talked, and then there was. Things now we're at we're at level two, I think, right? Um, so tell us a little bit about how that rollout has been going. What kind of problems you've run into, and then uh, you ended up in um, at, at uh, Walmart HQ in Arkansas. So yeah, tell us yeah. a little bit about about this whole process. Uh, so let's uh, you know let's let's start at the beginning and, and catch people up. Uh, sure. I think the last time we talked about it, there was a lot that we. 
couldn't say. Um, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was right around that time. That's yeah. right. But, but uh, here it is. You know. <laughs> right. right. Okay. Right. Um, so yeah. So we we started this program, and basically, you know, we looked at the job that the customer was trying to do. Um, and when you look at truck rental, the job that the customer is trying to do, um, probably uh, still to get a rental counter in line, probably isn't adding value to that customer. They there's a segment of customers that are going to enjoy that premium type of service where they, you know, go and they interact with the person and they explain everything. Um, and I think that it's important to satisfy that customer, but I think that there's a whole other segment of customers that are looking for um, low, low cost, so low end. Um, they're looking for something that's just good enough, meaning they don't want anybody walking around explaining to them how anything works. They just want to be able to get in and go. Um, and, and new market, perhaps people who would have shied away from rental before. Um, so we, we looked at what the customer was really looking for and we tried to develop a product line around that or a service line around that. And what we came up with was self-service truck rental. We part, partnered with uh, a great company out of Atlanta uh, to provide the technology for it, the platform. Uh, we put that in our fleet. Uh, and then we put this wacky theory out to test in Orlando. Uh, we started by putting the trucks on uh, non-traditional properties. We're talking, uh, you know, hotels primarily, mm. um, where we were able to actually park the trucks. Uh, we had some of the Sears, um, you know, back when Sears existed uh, nine months ago. <laughs> um, you know, so we, so we tried these things, um, and what we found out was that we could develop, we could we could prove that the tech worked. Um, we could pr prove that it was secure, meaning we could leave a key inside the truck because mind you, there's no kiosk, there's no rental counter, there's nobody to give a customer right. a key. It's, so all, it's a all done on your phone. It is. It is 100%. Um, so we needed a way to leave a key inside the truck, um, which we do. We leave it inside the glove box. Um, the technology that, that was developed is good enough to where, um, let's say you're, you're a scrupulous individual or unscrupulous and you decide you're just going to bust out the window and take the key and steal the truck. Well, you can bust out the window and take the key, but the fact is the truck's not going to start. Okay. So you've uh, got an ignition kill somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. if you remove the device, the truck won't start. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, we've been really happy with it from a security perspective. Um, and we proved out again, the technology works, the platform works. Uh, we proved out that there was a customer for it. Mm -hmm. It happened to align very well with uh, you know, some of the things that I think Walmart is trying to do. Um, so we were able to partner with them uh, and utilize some of their, uh, I would say, wasted inventory of parking. Uh, so if we think of it in lean terms, Walmart has, you know, say a lot with over 900 parking spots. And in any given time, maybe 600 of them are, are used. Mm -hmm. Um, so they have this wasted inventory of parking uh, and they have a need for customers to be able to get big stuff back to their house. So if Walmart sells them a grill or, uh, or a big screen TV, a uh, piece of furniture, uh, those customers need a way to get that product home. Um, and what better way than to have rental trucks right there on their property. Um, so we were able to prove out that a lot of that worked in Florida. Um, we had some theories on locations that were working versus weren't working and why, uh, but we needed a, a test bed uh, to really understand if those were one off to Florida or if they were something that were going to be a consistent problem somewhere else. Mm -hmm. uh, so we expanded that. Uh, we expanded the program into Northwest Arkansas, which is of course where they're headquartered. 
Um, we've opened uh, five different locations there to date. Uh, we're opening two more. Uh, early July, we'll open two more locations. Um, and we're testing a lot of theories that we had uh, coming out of Florida uh, so that we can, you know, really understand what we need to do to be able to scale this uh, rapidly. Um, you know, we're, we're testing things like, uh, you know, what makes a good store? What kind of key indicators uh, indicate a good store so that when we do roll out, we, we understand that we're putting them in the right stores versus the wrong stores. Right. Now, I'm going to ask the obvious question here uh, from the public's level of understanding, let's say, right? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you just go to Walmart and say, hey, let's put these in all the parking lots of all the Walmarts and roll it out across the nation? Um, you know, I think that there, I think that there is a, a want to do that, but of course you want to do that. Um, the philosophy I used is, is, or use consistently is fail fast, but fail small. Hmm. Um, so we want to know that we're doing this right. We need to know what's the right count of fleet. What's the right mix of fleet? Um, what's the right demographics for the store? Um, you know, what are the right income levels around that store? What are the right kind of products that Walmart is selling at that store? Um, so that we can best support their operation. Um, you know, what are the things that we need to look for to um, support it better from an operational perspective? Like in Orlando, I've got a corporate presence. In, in Arkansas, I, I, I do not have a, a corporate-owned presence. Hmm. Um, so I needed to develop a partner relationship. Um, so what are the ways to do this thing right? That way when we do expand, when we do go into our, our growth phase, um, what you'll find is that we're making money uh, during the growth phase, um, maybe spending that money directly back into growth, but we're, we're growing with a purpose. Um, so that, that's why you don't want to necessarily jump out to, you know, 3,000, 5,000, however many locations Walmart has in right. the country. Um, right off the bat. And overinvest in truck inventory and have sky high insurance premiums that you have to pay for these things, maybe. Trucks are not, they're yeah. not cheap. You're not yeah, cheap, and no. you know I'm I'm running them right now, Jason. At uh, ten dollars an hour, twenty dollars a day for the for the pickups in the uh, in the uh, transit vans. Um, it it takes a lot of rentals to pay for that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, say so before before you go to say you know a fleet of let's say five thousand trucks, uh, which is a massive investment. Right. Um, of course, you want to know that you're actually going to be, be able to make money on those. Right. Yeah, and, and just a simple question of how many trucks should go in this parking lot is not a, an easy a, question a to answer. Question to ask. I mean, I, you know, I think, I think you know, at first you, you're kind of throwing a dart at the board. You're taking some guesses. Um, you're really not sure. Right. Uh, and then you start learning from that. Um, unfortunately, learning takes uh, a lot of iterations. I mean, you need, you need a lot of observations for a hypothesis test, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Are you uh, using any data science at all, or is it is it just simple statistics? Uh, you know, right now, I would say primarily simple statistics, simple hypothesis testing mm -hmm. um, is what we're doing. So I think that there are opportunities for machine learning or AI. Okay. Uh, but again, that those are those are fairly expensive proposals compared to uh, simple statistical methods. Hmm. Um, so okay. I think I think it'll I think AI machine learning, I think those will have impact as we grow. Mm -hmm. um, but it wouldn't be money that I would argue we should spend at this point. We're gaining yeah. value out of simple statistics. Um, 
as we start seeing diminishing returns on those, it may be time to start bringing in AI or ML. Right. Uh, now, there are competitors for truck rentals. Uh, how have they reacted? Um, you know, my largest competitor has promoted a product that doesn't work. Hmm. Um, I won't, I won't point yeah, them I don't out want you to get into trouble here, <laughs> but I do want people to understand that when you do something like this and it is disruptive, people are going to be upset. And I don't mean the customers necessarily. I mean the, the competitors, right, or potential competitors. Well, you know, I think that that's all about strategic positioning, right? I mean, if mm -hmm. we can if we can push back on the market leader in our space and start taking market share, of course they're going to respond. Um, they're going to try to respond aggressively. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think as strategists, if we can watch our uh, competitors uh, kind of stumble and get knocked back on their heels. Um, I think, you know, certain of us that are just going to really find that amusing. Yeah. Um, well, and, and you know, it just struck me like I, if I were them, I'd be watching you. How many trucks are you putting out there right in that lot? And, and are they being rented or are they just sitting there? Right. And yep. uh, gathering data. So that's kind of fun. So what's your next step with that project? Uh, next step, we're, we're looking at rolling out to some different cities. Um, I'm sure you've picked up on what some of them are, but, uh, you know, I can't necessarily say at this point exactly mm -hmm. where those cities are going to be. Um, but, you know, keep following and I'm sure you'll see uh, grand opening announcements, uh, you know, coming out. That was one of the things that we were able to test in, in uh, Northwest Arkansas is what is the uh, benefit of doing a grand opening versus not um, mm -hmm. having five stores there. Um, I was able to test a couple of stores with grand openings and a couple without yeah. um, and really see what the, the pickup is, um, you know, in, uh, in transactions or, 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 um, or, you know, revenue gain. Right. Awesome. So there's been a lot of activity for you recently. You've been flying here and there and away <laughs> from home and all that. Is it time to just kind of retrench and, and settle down and focus on, on uh, this kind of work or do you have other plans? Um, you know, I, I would like to, I really would like to spend some time at home, but I don't see the cards for me right now. Um, you know, right now I think we're, we're definitely still in the market creating phase. Um, we're creating a market around this, getting excited by feedback that we're getting from customers. Like I had a, had a customer that recorded uh, an entire Facebook video post hmm. uh, about her experience. Uh, she's a single mom, and uh, you know, one of the words that she used in her post was empowered. Uh, hmm. How the product or service made her feel empowered. Uh, and to me, that that's really exciting. Uh, mm -hmm. Somebody studies disruption. It's really exciting because right. words like empowered lead me to believe that we've hit a new market. You know, we've hit a, a customer that perhaps wouldn't have wouldn't have consumed our product in the past, um, but now because of how we've changed the model, they were able to actually consume that product, and it empowered them to lead a better life. Um, that's super exciting for me. So hmm. you know, I want to continue on in this market creating phase, um, and definitely grow it to the point where uh, we're able to move into a growth phase. Um, right. I'd like to do that fairly quickly. Uh, that uh, the marketer, the copywriter in me is excited to hear that as well, because that's the kind of thing that is, it's like a pain point language that you can use in marketing that you're only going to get by interacting with a customer, right? You, I don't even think you could do an information interview and, and draw that out. Like they have to have actually experienced the thing. 
and yeah. then give you that feedback, right? Because they won't know what it's like until they've actually done it. So, that's, you know, I think that's, it's hard. I do think it's, it's really hard. You know, when you, you know, you talk about like an information study or an information gathering study hmm. uh, where you're asking somebody questions. Um, I think you get very logical responses from hmm. people when you do that. It's very, hard, very, very hard to get you know, like deep emotional responses out of people, mm-hmm. uh, unless it's, you know, um, I know there's, there's people that are going to beat me up for saying this, but it's serendipitous. Mm-hmm. It's still like, Lord, um, Mark, Chris, thinking about you guys. Um, <laughs> but it, but it is fair common, you know, it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's expensive to get that kind of insight and you have to be committed to get it right. It's, it, you can't get, you do a half-assed kind of attempt at something and then expect to get that, that level of feedback. Right. Um, but it, yeah, that, that enables you to get into your customer's head and, and get a completely different new perception or perspective on the whole thing. Right. Then, uh, then it's possible for us to get sitting in our offices Staring at a computer screen. <laughs> right. Well, awesome. Um, right now, for a while, I want to round up here with uh, folks, if, if they want to connect with you, who should be doing that and, and how they should be doing it. You're on LinkedIn. That's a great place to find you. Uh, you were training. Folks would go out and get a green belt, Six Sigma green belt trained up, and then that person would come back to their factory or their operation and go, great, I got this new super tool. What do I do with it? Right. And uh, and folks should be connecting with you if they're in that situation, because you are able to mentor that green belt. And uh, I mean, there's a big multiplier there. Right. They yes. don't they, the company doesn't have to hire a six sigma black belt at uh, ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars a month or something like that. Right. And the green belt that they just paid for gets to be turned into a useful money saving producing tool right away yeah. right? as opposed to waiting around while they go, Hmm, what should I work on first? I don't even know what KPIs to, to look at here. Right. <laughs> so is that something you're still open um, and, and accepting new clients for? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, and I, and I think that there's, um, gosh, I re- wish I remembered the name of the article, read it in uh, HBR, the printed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was talking about how, uh, in this time of transformation, how, you know, employees and employers are, are really v- very well aligned on what the future needs to be. Employees are very willing to retool um, and re- reapproach how they think about their work. Um, and I find that to be very true in, you know, the Lean Six Sigma space. There's people out there that are going out and they're getting this green belt and they're saying, awesome, now I want to do something with it. Yeah. I want to make the company better. I want to make our products better. I want to make our services better. Um, I learned the tools, but how do I get this from a book to reality? How we see I- this every day, by the way, Attila yes. and I, in Facebook groups, in, in, in Six Sigma Operations Improvement Facebook groups. There are one or two people saying that every day. Yes. Yes, 100%. You see it all the time. Um, and I, I, conversely, you see executives in these companies that are saying, okay, well, I've sent my people off to be trained and I'm not seeing a return out of it. Well, the problem <laughs> yeah. is when, when you've just got the book knowledge yeah. and you don't have anybody around to uh, really help them turn that into uh, something executable, um, then of course you, you just flush that money down the drain. They're going to really struggle to get real value out of it. Um, so, uh, you know, I think for a lot of companies, especially bigger companies that can afford a master black belt, 
Um, they're able to bring that master black belt on. They're able to bridge that gap between vision and execution and able to get these people really delivering, uh, these green belts and black belts really delivering on, uh, you know, on the, the mission of the company. Hmm. Um, but if you're a smaller company, um, you know, putting uh, the investment in payroll into a master black belt is, those are expensive heads. They're, they're, those are not cheap head counts. Right. Um, and, we, and we see businesses at the $4 million annual revenue level getting a green belt. Yes. Yep. It's yep. not, it's not, you know, a hundred million dollar companies only that are doing this. So. No, no, definitely see companies, you know, like you even said, um, you know, I, I spoke to a, a roofing company that was doing about $4 million a year in, in revenue, um, reached out to me and it, uh, it kind of surprised me because they definitely didn't fall into what I would say is my ideal customer avatar. Um, but really surprised me, you know, they said, you know, we, we have this person on staff and they said that this would be a good idea. They explained to me what it was. Um, and I said, yeah, we could absolutely use that in our company. So we sent them off for this green belt training, but now they're coming back and they're really struggling to apply that in a way that drives value for our company. Can you help? And, uh, absolutely. And of course, you know, somebody at $4 million revenue is not going to be able to afford a, a full-time, uh, likely not even a full-time black belt, let alone a full-time master black belt. Um, but was right. able to help them and get some, uh, get some real results for them. Well, very good. Okay. So they can just find you Attila Adobe on LinkedIn and book a call to talk with you from there. Yeah. Is yeah. LinkedIn, LinkedIn. I am super active on LinkedIn and I'm very easy to find on LinkedIn. That's probably the best, uh, best avenue to contact me. Um, they could also go to debate.com. Uh, my email address is on there as well. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn, LinkedIn is definitely where uh, my community is. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, my guest today has been Attila Dobe, Manager of Strategy and Innovation and Pied Piper for uh, Lean Six Sigma Greenbelts. <laughs> if you want to connect <laughs> with them, connect up in one of those ways. Thanks for being my guest today. And I look forward to having you back on in a few months. Yeah, Jason, it's always great catching up with you, man. I, I appreciate the interviews and uh, look forward to catching up again as well. <laughs>